Welcome to the Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Ali Ringer. I am the founder of Recovery Life Coaching, a writer, and a recovering codependent. This podcast is a dedicated space to discuss all things codependency and toxic cycles. It's here to spread awareness, hope, and conversation around these traditionally tough topics. My goal is to use my story, along with the stories of others, through conversations to talk about these things, to talk about what has worked for me, to talk about what has worked for others, and to be able to share tangible tools that you can use in your own recovery journey, and also to show you, you aren't alone. So on today's episode, we have Marianne from Sincerely Miss Mary on, and I'm so excited to hear her story. She also writes and has a podcast about her own experience with a toxic relationship um, and her trauma from that. So I thought it was the perfect opportunity for her and I to just connect and have a conversation about her experience and my experience because I just felt like the connection is there. So I'm excited to bring her on today and talk about it with you all. Thanks for being on today, Marianne. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we have so many similarities and we have so much to talk about. So I can't, I can't wait. Thank you so much. I'm so excited too. I'm just going to kind of hand it over to you and what's your story? Like wherever you want to start, tell us. Yeah. So I guess I can tell you about how Sincerely Miss Mary came to be because it came out of a toxic relationship. So uh, basically my story of the creation of Sincerely Miss Mary started off when my partner at the time, his best friend sexually assaulted me. And when I finally had the courage to tell my partner that it happened, it was probably about four years after it happened when I finally had the courage to do it. And I think it was around the time of the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, Harvey Weinstein. So So powerful that you were like able to, you know, come to telling your own story from that. Yeah. I think it's because like that just opened the door um, Mm -hmm. to that trauma and it, it just came back and I couldn't like keep pretending that this didn't happen because they, they were roommates. They lived together. And I saw this man every day for like almost two years until he moved out of New York city. And I just pretended like it didn't happen. I pretended that everything was normal, but like always in like the back of like my mind, it was kind of that memory was always there. And when the Harvey Weinstein case, like people started speaking Mm -hmm. up about that. That's when I just couldn't shut my mouth anymore. Cause I was just like, you know, this isn't okay. And it's it's also not okay that I've kept a a secret for so long. And so when I finally told my partner at the time, he, at first he behaved like a normal person when was like really upset at his friend. And then he turned on me. He started victim blaming me, victim shaming me, gaslighting, manipulating me back into silence. And I didn't realize how bad it was because, you know, I'm also very codependent, a big people pleaser that I just tried to like rescue him from himself, teach him about 
woman's rights, teach them about sexual assault. Like, like like, I can fix this. I can change your mind and get you to understand my trauma. Cause yeah, I was like, this is, is, I could do this. Right. That's what we believe. We believe And what a burden to take on, you know, like you were obviously in your own pain and dealing with your own trauma and trying to be seen and heard from that. Mm -hmm. And then you also had to become like, or you tried, you know, to become a teacher in that situation too. So you're not only caretaking for yourself in a lot of ways, but now you're caretaking for someone else in like the most twisted of ways, you know, like the worst imaginable. So yeah. Wow. What a traumatic experience. Yeah. So that's when I started writing. Cause I was also starting therapy around the same time. And my therapist was telling me to start live journaling just to regulate my emotion because I was like, also around that time had a of like a psychotic, like a PTSD episode and was very depressed. So things just kind of happened at once and I just was numb. So like to help me regulate my emotion, she told me to just start journaling on my phone and wherever I was, if I had any feelings could be something really, really small. Like someone bumped, bumped me in the subway, right, write that, write those feelings. So that's how I started since doing Miss Mary, I was just writing my feelings on my phone. And then I was also reading poetry at the time. So I just started writing modern poetry and I did it more and more. It became a habit that I just like, I was like, I should just put this on Instagram, put this out in the world, see what happens, like whatever, this is for me. No one has to know about it. And the way I was writing was in the letters to myself. So that's why it's called Sincerely Miss Mary, because it would either be a letter to my partner at the time or to myself. And I would sign it off as Sincerely Miss Mary. But the, the early poems that I wrote were just the truths about my experience of the victim blaming, the gaslighting and the manipulation. So to his face, I'd be, you know, trying to rescue him being like everything was okay. And then on Instagram, where I started Sincerely Miss Mary, that was like the real Marianne. So it'd be poems like, fuck you for victim blaming. Totally. I I could swear. No, you Um. can. We'll mark it as explicit. All good. All the emotions (laughs) out here. But yeah. That's so so powerful. Did he know at the time when you had that Instagram that you were using that outlet? So he did. Okay, interesting. The crazy story is that he was probably like, I would say the third or fourth person that I told. And I was just like, hey, I'm doing this and it's on Instagram and I'm writing about you. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to read it. It's fine. Wow, <laughs> that could have gone a very different direction. So right. and that's I cool. Think- I'm glad that worked out for you. You know, like that <laughs> yeah, outlet was ruined. It. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he, I think I also knew that like, he also didn't have Instagram either. So like, I knew that he would never read it, which is probably why I wrote so honestly the way I did, but I also was probably like, I hope he does read it. So he knows how I'm actually feeling. Totally. Um, I can relate so much. Cause when I was in the midst of my toxic and abusive relationship, I had a like secret blog that I did not. Yeah. So I didn't actually like tell anyone that I had it and I wrote on it. I didn't advertise it a single bit. It was just like left out to the universe. You know, if anyone read any of the content, but I did it for the exact same reason you did. I just needed to work through everything I was going through. And I was feeling emotion at 
such a profound and deep level Mm -hmm. and I needed a way to get that like out of my body and I started writing similarly to you and just it started like flowing out of me in a way that I you know personally found very like poetic and moving to even read when I was in the midst of it but I wasn't yet to the place where I could confidently put it out in the world um and I think it's so hard when we're in these toxic relationships Mm -hmm. because we're like well I'm still in it and I'm writing all this like really deep dark stuff about my relationship um so there's a little bit of that like cognitive dissonance for a little while Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um finally you know years after I had left him and had started my own recovery journey I decided to write and publish on medium. And the first article I ever wrote and published was a letter to him. And it was in response. So similar, so similar, you know, again, this is so similar. I had no idea. You also wrote anonymously. Yeah. Yeah. I did for like in my early, early twenties. And then, yeah, yeah, like I kind of reclaimed that power. And that was a big moment for me in my recovery journey when I was like, you know what, I'm going to publish this letter to him on medium, I'm going to use my own name. And if he reads it and he like is upset, like this is my truth, you know? And once again, kind of like you said, with the gaslighting, the victim blaming, I had all these fears for the longest time that that was like, if he read something, he would be like, no, you're a liar. It wasn't like that. You're being dramatic, you know, all these things. And I was just finally like, fuck it. Here it goes. You know, like, yeah. My hell yeah. <laughs> and I also started telling people like, Hey, now I'm publishing my writing. So go read it here. Um, and like really that fear that had consumed mm-hmm. me for so long, I was able to break free through writing. Um, so right. yeah, I just thought I would share that with you. Cause when you were saying That's that, amazing. I got goosebumps. Cause I was like, yeah, writing is such a, um, you know, healing process yes. and to reclaim yes. power through your words is just, so downplayed. Like there's so much power in that. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just hearing your story. Cause like, I had no idea. Like we basically rescued ourselves mm-hmm. through writing about our experience. And when you're writing and no one knows that's a place where you can be honest because no totally. one's judging you because no one knows who you are. Right. And I think when you do that, you are able to get yourself out of that denial and, uh, you know, get yourself out of that situation. Did you feel like when, did you feel like your writing helped you become the person to like leave the relationship? Yeah, totally. And there's this one specific, um, I don't even know what to call it. It's more just like a rambling, you know, back then when I think back on it, I'm like, I was going to say article blog, like it was just like, a got basically how I even came to write it was uh, we had a breakup an awful toxic breakup we were very very off and on like on three mm-hmm. months off three months it was in a parking lot fight went on for like three hours you know it was embarrassing yeah. people saw us it was just one of those like awful situations where I literally yeah. and my ex unfortunately struggled with mental health so he was suicidal yeah. so he would tell me like if you leave I'm gonna kill myself oh my god um so I would be you know we're in public I'm crying. He's upset. And I got into my car and I drove away. And I was just like, if he kills himself, like trying to convince myself, like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. But that fear was so overwhelming that like, if he goes and kills himself, like how the hell do I keep living my life? And mind you, I'm like 23, 24 years old at this point, baby, baby. So I went home and I just, it was like, I remember it so vividly because I had already been writing here and there, but I just Mm -hmm. wrote 
exactly what that experience was exactly what I was feeling exactly what I felt like he was doing to me so I could remember it at such a visceral level um and I told myself like anytime I think of going back I'm going to reread that that Mm -hmm. piece of work you know um and that yeah like huge a huge huge moment because I could go back and start reading that and being like fuck you know like I don't want this can't be my life this is a cycle I can't go back to him because of that so yeah it was totally the beginning of the end of that relationship yeah yeah definitely it's amazing how and you're like a self-taught writer did Mm -hmm. you have totally yeah 100 I am too Yeah, I am too. It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm, I mean, I'm taking a writing class right now. And I'm like, this is my first writing class since high school. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I went to fashion school. So like the only writing I've done, I mean, the past, like, before my writing career was like emails, like work emails. So I, I had no experience. And especially like our kind of writing, which is trauma writing. It's Mm -hmm. so emotional. And we go back in time and we, we relive it. And then we look at the situation as happening for us instead of to us. And I think to be able to do that work is so powerful. And I'm like, so grateful that you are also a trauma writer because you understand the process. Yeah, totally. And I just love the way that you just said that of how understanding how it happened for us and not to us. Um, Like, yeah, I feel like the rest of my life, like where I'm at right now would not have been here if I wouldn't have been through that, you know? And sometimes I just so deeply wish I could go back to that little baby version of me and be like, it's going to be okay. You're going to create this like beautiful story from the biggest mess in your life like your mess becomes your message um is what I think Ooh, about a lot I love yeah. that. and I'm just like not that you know I couldn't have had some other beautiful life without mm-hmm. that mess but I just wouldn't be doing the work that I'm deeply passionate about today with writing yeah. about this stuff talking about this stuff coaching mm. other women on this stuff um so now I'm like you know it's weird to say that I'm like grateful for that experience but I feel like writing made me come to that right totally that's that's exactly how I feel too like I I am who I am today because of my lived experiences it doesn't mean what happened to me wasn't wrong it was definitely wrong but it led to me being who I am now, which is also like a speaker, a writer, a mental health advocate. Yes. Like, You're like a powerful freaking woman because <laughs> of all of this stuff. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you are too. And I think like we lead by example. I think sharing our stories like of overcoming the traumas we've endured is someone's silver lining. And Mm -hmm. even though the work is hard and even though, I don't know about you, but I got so much judgment when like I became unanonymous and uh, people started finding out, I started telling people about my writing. Like there was definitely a lot of judgment, a lot of, you know, me hitting people, people's limiting beliefs. Like it's, it's not work that is likable, (laughs) I guess. Totally. Yeah. You make a lot of people like look in the mirror in a lot of ways, you know, and people get really uncomfortable by that when they don't necessarily want to do that work. But also I'm like, okay, then don't click on the article, you know, like, it's like a weird, like, if you're like, why'd you click that title? Like kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I totally feel, feel you there. Like it's 
tough, tough stuff to be so vulnerable in a society where not everyone's open and wanting to talk about um, these topics. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had close people, people that were close friends and family tell me to like, shut up and be silent and just like move on. And like, and I'm just like, no, (laughs) like, because I'd rather risk like the judgment I receive if it helps one person. Like, I don't care if I make someone uncomfortable who's like not willing to look within. Mm -hmm. I care more towards the people that will feel less alone because they're the ones that probably experience this too. And they matter more than someone who has not had those lived experiences I've had and and are uncomfortable with my story. Like they're not my audience. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that's so powerful. And I feel like I personally, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but why I started writing about it and talking about it and why I create recovery in the first place was because I wished I would have seen more articles on that. I wish I would have been hearing those things. Like I'm like, I was not. And I thought it was crazy. I was Google searching, like, is this an abusive relationship? Is this Mm -hmm. like normal? You know, like no one was talking about it. And even the stuff that was coming up on Google, I was still like, Cam confused, you know, like he wasn't like backhanding me, you know, Mm -hmm. like with what abuse was and even like emotional abuse can be just such a like murky topic, you know, and Mm -hmm. he wasn't necessarily saying like, you're a bitch or you're this, you know, but he was definitely telling me I wasn't worthy. He was definitely telling me I was the reason he was going to go kill himself, you know, but I'm like, is this abuse? Like, or am I just a monster that I even think it's abuse kind of thing? Yeah. yeah, I think like creating these conversations, creating these articles, these resources for, um, you know, other women who find themselves in the same situation is so powerful and absolutely needed in this world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, same thing. Like I was just reading like uh, general articles about emotional abuse, but it wasn't until like I got out of the relationship and then I started reading on articles on medium about narcissistic abuse. I was like, Mm -hmm. what's this? What's a narcissist? What's an empath? What's, what is codependency? And I'm reading all these like personal stories and I'm like oh my god like I experienced this too like I think storytelling is so powerful in your healing journey and also healing other people I think and also like putting a name to the story like when I became unanonymous I realized how much more people I was reaching because people finally put a put a face to the pen name and Mm -hmm. also like I did have like like friends from high school that I barely talked to reach out and be like oh my god like I go through this too like thank you so much and I I realized like how important it is for like uh, us to uh, share our stories what our name attached to it and people know that it's us and that I think it shows it's safe, you know, like coming from these toxic situations, I mean, safety to this day, if I'm being completely honest with you in the audience, like safety Mm -hmm. is something that still is easily, easily triggered in me. Um, you know, I'm completely safe in my world now, but oftentimes I have, I'm quick to jump to, oh, maybe I'm not safe. And this is in like, Mm -hmm. oh, this can be like money. This can be, you know, my current relationship. This can be Mm -hmm. in 
so many different areas because, you know, that's a trauma response. Um, so I think a lot of people still in those situations feel like I can't say anything like that's not safe. I'm going to lose X, Y, and Z friends, family, you know, if they're living with this person, like there's all these really scary, very real things to make them feel not safe. So to see other women coming out, kind of like even your own situation, you know, with the Me Too movement, you saw all these women saying something all of a sudden, and you're like, whoa, maybe it is safe. Maybe I can say something. Maybe I can tell one person or I can put out one cry for help on Instagram, you know, or whatever that may be. It just lets women know you, you can be safe. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. That, that is so true. That is something that I feel like people that are in abusive relationships, that's all we look for is safety. And even like coming out of that relationship, that is still my number one priority with all aspects of my life with work, with my friends, with my family. Like the number one question I ask myself with anyone Mm -hmm. or any situation is, do I feel safe to be myself? Because totally, I'm with you right there. That's, yep. that's what I had to fight for yep. in my abusive relationship. Like I couldn't even be me. And yep. it's scary when you can't be yourself. When you can't be yourself, you don't have a voice. You don't have, yep. you don't know your power. You don't feel like you can make choices. And to feel safe is what I strive for now in every aspect of my life. So that that has resulted in me breaking up with friends, distancing myself from family, certain family members. And for me, it's like, I just have to create safety within myself because if I don't, then like someone will trigger me. I'll have PTSD. And it's like, it's not fair for me or the other person. Definitely. And I, I think that's really powerful too, what you just said, because really this healing journey, you know, getting out of these toxic relationships and like kind of rediscovering yourself and who you really are is Mm -hmm. such a, like, it's like a becoming process. And in that becoming, you have to like shed a lot of old beliefs, old friends, like, you know, in your situation and my situation, like old lives in a way, like we had other jobs, like we were this entire different being kind of thing. And now like, there's a lot of undoing and, Mm -hmm. and you, yeah, there, you can't become this new thing if you're trying to keep everything the same, like, it's just not going to work. Um, so yeah, I think I just resonate with that so, so much that you've got to go through that process and through that process, it feels hard, but like the shedding is so worth it. Yeah. And I love that you said it's a return to ourself and Mm -hmm. it's so crazy how one relationship can completely change your life forever. Like I was working in fashion for seven years as a handbag designer, and now I'm in the wellness space. I'm in the wellness space. And I'm like, this is something I never would have expected, but I've also never felt more myself doing this work. Yeah. I love that. So powerful. When did you get out of the relationship? Like at what point from like, you know, you're here now and you're obviously a writer and the wellness space and all that. Um, and you told us about the beginning when you were writing anonymously with Sincerely Miss Mary. So where was that in-between point where you started this new yeah. becoming? So it just escalated. I think I was writing, actually had one of my friends who's, who's a psychologist explain this to me. She was, she said I was writing into becoming the person I needed to be to get out of that relationship. And I was wow. just like, whoa, yeah. and I was like, that's 
so true. Um, and that's basically what happened. Like, even though my circumstance was getting worse because, you know, the abuse was just, you know, more manipulation, more gaslighting, more silence, I was getting stronger. And towards the end, I stood up for myself. Like I tell the story in one of my podcast episodes, but we, after we vacationed Japan, we got back. Also the vacation in Japan was awful. Like I just saw the worst parts of him come out. Like there was one, one day where he was just yelling at me on the streets of Japan. I was just like crying and I was just like, why is this happening on vacation? Totally. Like, Those is- moments in life when you're just like, why, like what, what, how, why, you know, like you can't right. even find the words to be like, am I in this situ- situation right now? Like, how yeah. did we get here? Yeah. And I'm just like, this is in Japan and also like in front of people. And it's, it's just like, I, I look back at that moment. I'm like, I can't believe I, that happened. Um, totally. but yeah. So it just escalated. And then I just got this weird feeling about him hanging out with his best friend again. Cause we had been fighting about that so much. I would always get upset whenever he'd hang out with his best friend because his best friend moved away for two years and then came back and moved literally a block from us. I was just like, of all the places, like he moved there. And I like made my partner at the time confront his best friend about the assault. And when he told me that he did it, he's, he just said, Oh, my best friend said, sorry, like whatever. And I was just like, what? Like that's it. So so how did he justify remaining friends with him? So I'll, yeah. So it's the story gets crazier. So okay. I discovered after we got back from Japan, I just had this weird feeling that I had to look at his phone. And so I did. And I looked at his phone from the time that he confronted his best friend about the sexual assault. Yeah. And this was probably like five or six months before our Japan trip. And the conversation was so disturbing. It was basically making fun of the sexual assault. It was Whoa. throwing out Trump memes saying wow. like things, like I'm I was lying like and then at one point my my partner at the time said if you if you touched her I don't care and that's when I just like lost it oh and I was gosh. just like I cannot believe this is how he felt well, the entire time because he was me sick to my stomach me. yeah and yeah. just the fact that like someone who we trust you know you spend so much time with like all these things can just just blatantly like not care enough you know and it goes back to that narcissism that you know you touched on slightly and that's the only way it makes sense because if anyone's not a narcissist you're just like how the hell could he react that way like it does not make sense being a human being but then you're like oh he was a narcissist okay you know like that's the only way it makes (laughs) sense that's so true he's a he's definitely a psychopath um but yeah it was just wild and so disturbing and I was just like Mm -hmm. this is why you guys are friends this is why your best friend's a sexual predator because like you guys have like are like-minded and it's it was so just disgusting so like I finally confronted him after I saw those messages and I told him what happened and he was just like in shock and also just like didn't know what to do and like gaslighting me trying to defend himself telling me that I was crazy and blah 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 and eventually he broke up with me like I was trying to fix it be like all right we can figure this out let's go to couples therapy and he was just like no it's over so I I had to go to work the next day like it was normal but I was just like that that was like the moments leading up to that breakup it was that catastrophic 
moment of discovering those disturbing messages that clearly point like showed how great like narcissistic he was mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it ended in a breakup and then the, the day that the day after we broke up I publicly condemned his best friend for sexually assaulting me on Instagram because I was just like fuck this like totally I'm so over it and it got it gets even worse like I friends with his friends and his family on Instagram so I was like oh like they know who this guy is they know who his best friend is like they'll have my back nope they all ghosted me because my gosh I am so sorry Barry this is such a tragic like turn of a you know like like yeah you should have just had like such an outpouring of support and community at that second of sharing your story like that um I think it's so brave that you continue to share it because kind of how we were talking about safety like if that would have been your one and done you know like if you were like oh I'm not safe and stop talking about it and stopped writing about it like you you could have so easily been, um, you know, turned away from sharing this experience, but you've continued to show up. So I just want to take a second to thank you for that. Um, you know, for all the women who are going to come after you, um, and be able to use their voice because of you. Yeah. That's what I hope because my situation was so fucked up and and this was 2019. This was like, we're not talking like 1989 (laughs) people. Like, yeah. This was 2019. (laughs) I always say like 2019 was my 2020. Like it was just, you were like, I was prepped for 2020. Like nothing could have been 2019. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Every day I was like, I'm so glad my breakup happened the year before. And this year. Um, Wild. But yeah, that was that was crazy. But I just never stopped speaking up. Like after that happened, like uh, and that was just crazy. Like uh, I just knew that like if one of his friends or family like condemned his best friend, like like his best friend would be fired from his job, you know, like something right. would have happened. I would have gotten justice, but no, they all ghosted me. They all, all unfollowed me. And I don't I still to this day don't know what my ex said about me I have no idea I also I also think it's worse than what I can make can think so I have no idea what was said to me but now I'm sharing my story like this is all in my podcast I tell the story I tell I talk about how uh, people ghosted me how his dad unfollowed my dog's Instagram oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's crazy do you feel like you ever got justice from this situation I got closure within myself by really realizing how toxic his family was. Like when I was healing from this breakup, I was also studying like narcissism, codependency, empath, what leads to someone being a narcissistic. And I put together like his family history of like narcissism and how like it's basically coming from his dad, like the covert narcissism and how his brother also was a narcissist that clearly like, I didn't see the signs before, but now I see the signs that he was emotionally abusive to his wife and it's his entire family system is very, very toxic. And also like, like inherently white supremacist, like it's like my, my ex would, I mean, I try, I ignored it at the time, but he, was a homophobe. He was also like talking shit about affirmative action and saying how minorities were taking away jobs from white people, like things at the time that I didn't think was a big deal. 
that I'm realizing was a huge deal. Like that is inherent. Those were the red flags that you were choosing to look past, which I mean, now looking back, I have literally written articles on this, you know, like red flags to look for. And then I write the opposite, (laughs) green flags to look for. Like, I just think back to like, I could have seen the signs early on. And I was just like, ignore, ignore, ignore. Um, So yeah, it's so interesting when we look back, we're like, yep, if only I would have trusted that gut instinct with these things. Yeah, I think um, we're also just like taught to just fix people, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And safety. I mean, for me, that's a big culture that's a big I don't know for for my Asian culture I think saving face is a big thing and you just try to fix it yourself and uh, like it just implodes in your face because sometimes you just need to get out (laughs) like you need to you know wave your surrender flag and get out and at the time I was just I felt like everything was crumbling and I was just trying to piece it all all together and it just backfired like one thing after another, it just kept backfiring. And uh, I was just left with pieces of his dysfunction that I believed was mine. And it wasn't like I carried his shame because he couldn't get his shit together and because his family taught him all these toxic beliefs. And he was part of this like toxic family system that like, I carried that and I didn't realize how much I carried until I left. And I was like, this shame is not mine. Like none of this is mine. So powerful. So, so powerful. And I'm glad you came to that like aha moment. And I think a long time, and I'm sure you can relate to this too. Like in the beginning of the healing journey, it can feel like, like you want that closure. You're seeking that closure. You don't know when that like moment's going to come. Um, and I think similarly to you, you know, like I haven't gotten my, I'm sorry, text message or phone call mm-hmm. that I would w- wished for early on right. in my recovery journey. Um, and I was like, I don't know when I'm going to feel better. I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like that justice has come or that this is ever okay. And mm-hmm. then that day just came, you know, like something mm-hmm. just clicks at some point. And I think similar to what you said, when the, you have enough knowledge, when you have enough understanding, when you've made enough sense of your story to know yes. really who you are and all like your, all your good intention, you know, which is a weird way to yes. think about it, but like yourself and me, we're both like, trying so hard in these relationships to do the right thing to say to like help the other person and you know it's not us it's it's them you know Mm -hmm. and I think when you come out of abuse it takes you a really long time to realize that but once all those little puzzle pieces start coming together you can see you can look back and see it clear yeah definitely. and that's justice that makes it justice in a way so yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. really really powerful stuff yeah, I think that, oh, sorry. No, um, go for it. Oh, I I think when you have that realization that they do not belong in your life, that's your justice because you're then brought closer to the people that do belong in your life that carry the same values. And so like with me, like knowing that him and his entire family, I would never fit in with them was enough justice for me. Yeah. And, and that's like that, that's that closure, you know, justice equals yeah. closure in a lot of ways, um, where you're not thinking about the what ifs any longer. Yeah. Cause you're like, exactly. it, it doesn't make sense. You know? Like yeah. That. You're just like, thank you next. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, and yeah, similar to your experience, you know, my ex had a family system who I was very, um, tied to, we were actually on and off for like 
oh gosh, I can't even, it's like hard for me to like admit the amount mm-hmm. of time, but I was 12 to like 25. So 13 years um, oh. of my life. So like in a lot of yeah. ways, like I saw his little sister, for example, she was like three when we got together, you know, and she was like a teenager when we stopped talking. Um, so there is like a lot of growing up. And so I had a lot of like almost like mm, grieving to do for the loss yeah. of the family. Um, but then, you know, like that, like I said, that moment, like in, unlike his family was, had their own issues of their own, but they truly were good people. And I think for me, I was able to disassociate at the point that I realized like, like really with him, like I kind of like his family more than I like him at this point. And like, I can't hold on to that. Um, and I, it's so weird. I, um, I still connected to one of his siblings. And so I'll sometimes see certain like family events or stuff like that on like social media, very weird. And it used to probably be unhealthy. And now I'm just like, it doesn't phase me, but that was the moment, you know, when I realized like, oh, this doesn't phase me. I'm not jealous. I don't want to be there. I don't feel any like FOMO. And I am now in a place where I'm genuinely happy for him and his family, which sounds really weird to say. Um, I just don't hold the resentment anymore. I don't necessarily yeah. like think that, um, he's a good person or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Those beliefs haven't changed, but I'm like, I don't wish anything bad upon him. Um, yeah. and like, that's not anything for me to worry about, you know, like whatever yeah. happens in his future, like he's in a new relationship. And for mm-hmm. a moment I was like, do I tell this girl, you know, do mm-hmm. I warn this girl? Am I responsible right. for that? And even that I had to like process and I processed it through writing, of course, yeah. um, mm-hmm. being like, no, this is not my responsibility. Yeah. And that puts me back to being the fixer. Now I'm trying to that's fix codependency. this girl. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, yeah, it comes back to that. (laughs) It always does. I was like, had to be like, nope, you know, all ties are cut. And I think once I realized Mm -hmm. that, like there was no emotional power over me anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that's how far you've grown and how far you've healed. And the same thing happened to me. My ex got into a relationship two weeks after we broke up. So clearly there was cheating. And and I, I mean, I hated that bitch. I was just like, who is this girl? Totally. At two weeks, I would have died. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And recently, probably like a month ago, I wrote a poem to her because my therapist was like, you need to reach a point where you have compassion for his girlfriend because she's you. Mm -hmm. Like, and she is showing you that you need to forgive your past self for enduring all of the trauma you did with your abusive ex. And I was like, damn it, you're right. So yeah. I, I was like, I Beautiful, gotta be the bigger person. But yeah, you're like, God damn it. Yeah. Why do I always have to do the work? Right. <laughs> so I wrote this poem for his abuse or for his, well, I don't know if she's being abused. I'm assuming, right. but whatever. Totally. For his girlfriend. And I realized I was writing a poem to my past self. Like I was wow. writing a poem to forgive my past self. And I just like, bald and I realized like like this was the last step to heal for my ex is forgiving my past self for trying to be the fixer for trying Mm -hmm. to get through this for trying to ignore all the red flags like I just needed to forgive myself and once I did that I just reached indifference with him and his girlfriend and his life I'm like it is like your problem is not my problem yes yeah That's amazing. I feel like 
someone is going to hear this who needs to hear it. And I'm so excited for them to hear it um, because I feel like we hit on so much all the way from, you know, being in the relationship to kind of figuring out and using writing as a tool, um, how to heal from that to just being on the complete other end, which I'm so grateful that you and I are both at to have really done the work to get to the point of closure and to using our experience to bring light to others and hopefully help other, you know, girls or women who are in a similar place as we were. Do you have any last words of advice for any of those females who find themselves in the similar place? I would say what helped me besides writing was just learning to fall in love my to fall in love with myself and it's just redirecting the love you give to the wrong person back to yourself and if you can love someone really hard you can love yourself that hard and I think that's where healing begins and also ends and I think that helps you cultivate healthier relationships around you is when you start to learn to love yourself is when you start to create an outer world where you fill it with people that know how to love you the way you love you so touching I literally got goosebumps as you said that thank you so so much for coming on today for being so vulnerable and for sharing your story with the recovery community I genuinely think like again, you know, I'm going to repeat, I genuinely think someone needs to hear this conversation. So thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. Hours. I'm like, <laughs> Marianne will be back. Clay, stay tuned. <laughs> thank you so much for being here and supporting the recovery podcast. If you yourself would be interested in being a guest, please fill out the podcast interest link in my bio. My mission is to bring on all different types of women different backgrounds, different recovery stories to share their own journeys. You also can follow me on Instagram at R-E-C-O-V period H-E-R period Y to stay updated on the podcast plus free life coaching tips and updates from me. And don't forget, you are more powerful than you know.